Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. My name is Ash Thorpe. This is going to be episode 83 with prolific artist, tattooist, and teacher extraordinaire, Mr. Sean Barber, who joins us this week to share his thoughts on tattoos as an art form, his journey in the industry, his amazing art career, and the roots of his work ethic, which come from his vast influences. This week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com. Kickstart your new year and learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people from around the world and has over 4,500 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and even business. Whether you want to set new financial goals, invest in a new hobby, find a new job, or improve upon your current skills, Lynda.com has something for everyone. Sign up today for a free 10-day trial by visiting Lynda.com slash TCP. We're really excited to be aligning ourselves with lynda.com. It's something that I've used many times in the past and it's helped me current day for just acquiring better skills. You know, every day you guys know I'm really into learning new things and trying new things. This is a big asset that's helped me get uh, to where I'm at now and keep my career uh, very prosperous. Big thanks again to Sean for taking time out of his busy day to enjoy a conversation with us. This is going to be episode 83. Let's roll. time fan of your work i've been following your work for i think ever since i really got into tattoos which is like a long time ago i've got cool. quite a few tattoos now but um yeah it's just it's really Where are you awesome getting your work uh, i have a couple shops down here in san diego one of them is big fish my friend dave owns and runs that shop it's a small little kind of boutique shop um cool. which is rad and um yeah i'm saving some some space for possibly shige maybe someday cool. so <laughs> cool. yeah i'm a big fan of his work and but um yeah it's just stuff down here in san diego i live in northern san diego um okay. but uh yeah are you up in la right now uh, i'm in los angeles here okay cool and you made the move from san francisco a while ago uh i moved out here about six years ago yeah okay is it for the art stuff or to be closer to the tattooing thing or uh, I started dating a woman who's a tattooer living here, and um, she d- wasn't interested in moving up there, and it just made more sense uh, to come here. Uh, it was easier for us to try to open up our own thing here. Okay, cool. Awesome. So more just like just more convenient and stuff for the setting and stuff, because LA's got a ton of people too, and there's a lot of art. There's a lot of tattooers here. Yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a hub, I think, in the States. Where else is there? Is like New York is probably for tattooing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, San Francisco is huge. New York's huge. Yeah, yeah. Just the bit like the cultural kind of areas, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, the, er, most people walking around probably have something small, if not a bu- you know a bunch of tattoos. Tram stamp for sure. Yes. <laughs> the world's covered in. It's like a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, we. We live with our mistakes. Dude, we do. We wear them on our skin literally for most people. So <laughs> I have like my favorite, my first tattoos I got was on my ankle and on one side is a, says love and then the other side says life. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I just like. It's not a bad thing. No, it's a, you know, I was going through some sh- shit and I was like, you know what? I got to remember to love my life. <laughs> and it was just one of those things and it was just kind of a. I guess it's like um, 
everybody gets tattoos for different reasons, obviously. Um, Absolutely. And that's what's cool about it is people's like personalities are exposed outside, which I think is really cool. Joe Rogan said one thing one time I thought was pretty accurate to tattoos. He's like, what, what, what makes uh, plain skin so cool? You know, like why not cover it up? You know, or put something on it. You know, and, well, and if you don't have any muscles, like it's a, <laughs> it, it hides all that fat. Yeah, it does. It just makes that fat look badass. Absolutely, it's badass fat. <laughs> yeah, no, it just there. I, I think I'm I'm fascinated by tattoos. It's been really weird though to um, seeing the the significant change in tattoos uh, culturally. Like the acceptance of tattoos is so so widely accepted nowadays whereas when i first got tattooed i think it was much more i remember going on like a date and i had like cover up my tattoos you know and now it's like i don't give a crap you know but it's it's been a gradual change that seems like it's been pretty quick but it's been gradual yeah it's really progressed you know i think um i think it's it's, the internet's fault yeah the, the spreading of ideas has definitely allowed for a lot of it i think it's 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 just an interesting, um, it's an interesting generation. You know, I think when you look back at tattoos, you know, you look back to like Sailor Jerry stuff, which was pretty prevalent within you know, like the, the Navy and stuff because it was just kind of happening. And then you look at how big tattooing has become and how far it's come, the craft and the abilities and the machines and the technology to get better results has been really significant it's pretty fascinating the evolution of it is pretty Uh, fascinating i think as a as a choice for a job for most people pre-95 might not have seemed like a job choice no yeah um and just nowadays it's a legitimate yeah uh, occupation it's pretty yeah and it's pretty saturated you can make a decent living doing tattoos and you can make a good living if you're good at it you know or if you have yeah, a you name. Can, you can make whatever kind of living you want to make. Sure. Uh, it depends on what kind of person you are and what you need and what you're putting out there. I think what you put out there, it comes back to you, you know. The words of the wise, you're full <laughs> of them. No, it's it's this one thing, and I remember mentioning it to you in the, in the emails uh, back and forth, was um, on your website, um, the FAQ, uh, kind of your – just the lessons that you've learned because um, – you're, I mean, I haven't, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk. I've, I actually yeah, bought yeah. your massive black. Uh, I learned how to paint oils from you actually, which is a lot of fun. It's awesome. It's fucking killer. And I had some really cool nice. results. Um, I stopped Thank doing you. it because of chemicals and stuff. So <laughs> no, I just, the, this, you can, you can work in acrylic. No, in totally, totally, totally. Um, I actually just converted to digital mostly just because of necessity and just speed right. of it all but right. you're all no don't do it but um i love um i love that medium and and i actually learned a lot from you but you're a, um, you. a natural teacher i think and learning from you just through the dvds was really great and your faq section i think had some of the biggest solid pieces of gold as far as advice i remember reading that when i was in college and just going like fuck this guy knows what's up you know not a lot of people are willing to go out there and just say, hey, this is what I think. And and a lot of the times it's just bullshit, but I could tell that you were coming from a place of experience and a place of like honest like heart, I guess, you know? And I, Yeah, I think, I mean, it came about in a time and place in my life when I had been at a, a crossroads and had met a lot of important individuals who had 
helped me think of things differently. Um, but I, uh, uh, after all that's said and done, I, I worked in a bookstore for a while and was in a, a section, um, Eastern religion section, and I stumbled upon this guy, Krishnamurti. And um, that kind of really opened my mind to a lot of things, interesting questions and um, know that there's no answers to anything. Um, so it's pretty uh, interesting philosophy. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the I think that there's a beauty to the simplicity of the acceptance yeah. of that, you know. Yeah. And acknowledging that, because like the thing that I remember um, from yours was one of the big things, and I bring it up quite a few times actually on the podcast where you mentioned that there's if you think you're amazing, you got to acknowledge that there's a whole world full of people creating content who are, are just as good, if not better, than you. Yes. And that's just now let's go back in time, you know, totally compare totally. yourself to those people. And I had, a, I once had a conversation, a little bit of an argument with a friend of mine about, I was trying to say to myself for contrast, I said, well, I think I'm okay. But I, if I compare myself to somebody like Da Vinci or something, then I'm shit, sure. you know? And he's like, well, well don't do that. But it's like, well, it's, I think what's within reason. It's just, there's certain sure. guys that set the bell curve, you know? Absolutely. There's, there's time and place, you know, sure. there, there's, there's the idea that we live in a culture where everything's at your fingertips, but we're also yeah. bombarded by, you know, the distractions of everything moving so fast that you don't have time to sit down and actually pay attention. Indeed. That's a, I mean, I, I look at my daughter and I just, she's in the ADD generation and I look at things that she consumes and even myself too. There's just so much stuff. You're inundated with information. Yeah. It's inescapable. It is, uh, it, it's, it's really weird. You know, I, tr I find myself trying to fight it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a part of it. It's weird. It's kind of like a phantom limb or something that I want, <laughs> like I have to use, but I don't want to so, at times. And being connected and so connected to technology and yeah. information and stuff, you seem to be pretty well connected with everything. Is that I'm, I'm as much as I choose to be, um, you know, there's things, there's, there's more distractions than I would like, but I'm pretty healthy with it. I think my, probably my biggest, uh, not dilemma or my biggest, uh, hurdle is just dealing with email. Yeah. <laughs> and in the back and forth with people, it's, uh, it's another job. Yeah, it's a full-time job. I can imagine for somebody like you who is established so well and so well-known and probably has an enormous amount of followers. And I, I imagine if you got a percentage of how many people reach out to you and say, like, I want to be an artist. What do you think I should do? Or sure, should I go to school? Sure. I, can't, I can't respond to most people. It's just it's, I don't have the time to do it. Yeah. So sometimes when I have, uh, I have the same problem. And sometimes um, if I have that problem, uh, and it's a good problem to have, I usually just send them a link to this website, to the podcast, because okay. the podcast for me has been a, I've been able to do this for quite a few guests too, as we answer kind of frequently asked things from people that, you know, want to get a response from you, but you can't necessarily, you know, work out a whole long email and response right. to like, you know, what to right. do with your life and, um, right. I, I, Most of the times, the questions are always rudimentary, and and they're not digging deep in anything other than just wanting an answer to everything and nothing. Yeah, exactly. They were like, "What's the button that you press to be a good painter?" It's like, totally. "Fuck, man, that takes fucking years and years and years of just sitting there and 
being alone and frustrated and whatever. I'm not sure if that's how it is for you. It's, it's like that for me. I get extremely frustrated at times with growth and development. And I think that's really what defines people. That's at least what I got um, from your DVD. I remember watching it and just being inspired by your work ethic. And I realized that I got to turn my shit up a notch, you know? And I think right. uh, one of your past students, my friend Chris Sanchez, who I worked yeah. with closely, he even mentioned about like he said that you had really some really great advice for him too about like, well, just do it, you know, like do it or don't do it. This that's what it is, you know. And, um, yeah, it's it's rad. Yeah, there, there's nobody, nobody's going to hand you anything. It, you, you know, we live in a world where you can literally do anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's just choosing to do that and working towards it. And, you know, I think also being a, a decent person and, and understanding where you lay in context to where you want to be and not screwing people over or, you know, taking advantage of situations, but just being honest and straightforward and uh, uh, willing to take a chance on the, the things that you think you need. Yeah, absolutely. Just being more well-balanced, like you're saying. I think that really helps with anybody who's trying to make something for themselves, you know. Yes. At, at the end of the day, you have to live with yourself, you know. and you absolutely. have to, You have to sleep with whoever this person is, you know. Like, you have to be able to fall asleep with your consciousness and be aware of what you're doing, I suppose, you know. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, it could be challenging at times. And when we talk about this kind of stuff and relate it to what you're doing, it seems like what you're doing more now or have a lot more activity is with tattooing and stuff, which is a permanent act, which is like a kind of a really sacred art for me. I feel, I find it to be a, an incredibly, incredibly intimate, um, thing. I don't, when I get tattoos now, especially I try not to get tattoos unless I know the person or sure. somehow connect with them spiritually or their work pushes me emotionally and, Sure. And you had mentioned that the apprenticeship program, I find it fascinating. I really love the apprenticeship program with tattoos because I think mm-hmm. it's very Japanese. It's something that, that doesn't happen often. You would assume that it happens did. Um, a lot, but most tattooers don't, don't either get that experience or the experience they get is one-sided or short-lived or, you know. How was it for you? Uh, I was fortunate to, uh, I shared a studio with a painter, tattooist, Henry Lewis, and he he had worked for a painter, tattooist, uh, uh, Mike Davis and, you know, suggested it to Mike and, you know, it just worked out and I, uh, I was teaching at CCA at the time and kind of slowed that down and it, it was hard. It was hard. It was really difficult to, to switch mentally into dealing with this thing, you know, at age, I was, I think 35 when I, you know, went into trying to do it. And, um, the learning curve was pretty slow for me. And, and, uh, there's so many variables in the act and the job of tattooing. Um, it's a, it's a service industry. Um, it's a life industry too. It's so many, so many so many things to prevent the activity of great work. (laughs) That's interesting that you say that. I agree. Yeah. It's an incredibly, uh, um, you have to be completely committed to it. Yes. Yes. And And your customer has to be committed to believing in you and what you're doing uh, enough 
to allow you to do your best. And I, I, I don't think that's, unfortunately, that's not the case with a lot of clients. Um, for most everybody, even in the best situations, there's still, I think, constant compromise. Yeah. That's a good Which way makes it harder it. to be, it's, it makes it harder to be an artist in that context. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's an incredibly demanding one too. The best artists that I know are extremely committed, uh, like religiously committed to the craft. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it's just, and I think it's like anything that I see that people are doing something amazing, like they eat, sleep and breathe it. Yes. And that commitment. So that must have been really hard for you because you're this really well-managed, matured artist, painter, and then you're basically starting anew because... Yes. And that's got to be frustrating as shit. Most people will go, you know what? I have this comfortable spot. It's called painting. I shred at it. I'm not going to do this. So... It's it's hard to, to stop your life completely to focus on a completely different thing. I mean, I still haven't... It still hasn't too. been my full-time job, you know? So because it hasn't been my entire daily focus, um, I'm not always where I'd like to be with it. Sure. It just takes so much time, though. Is there? Yeah. Do you feel that there's going to be a moment in your life where you're going to be able to commit 100% to it, or does that matter to you, or do you think that you're going to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think when I become comfortable enough with my abilities as a technician and i think when i have enough clientele that trust me to just um give them something that i think is um progressive from what i was doing before and and uh not this idea of free reign like do whatever you want because no tattoo really wants to hear that no yeah (laughs) that's scary Um, (laughs) well some do some do but yeah not all but yeah it's i'm on i'm on that path it's just a it's a slow path yeah yeah but i mean acknowledging it and then allowing it to be what it is it's just i think the main thing here is growth and uh you seem to be content with putting yourself into adverse situations and in the belief of growth you know yeah i know i know if i do it and i'm sincere uh i'll see progress yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm fortunate to have people around me that are exceptional. That's always to helps. Bounce ideas off of and get advice on, and I mean I'm really fortunate to have that. It's like a time machine, you know. Like if you think about it, because you're literally just because what's the difference between people mostly is just time that they put into it. So if you're able to get advice from somebody that has 10 years on you, you're basically going as a time machine into their experience. If you're really aware of it, you know, sure. Acknowledging it. But yeah, I have this, uh, I'm on your website now. I'm just looking at one of my favorites of yours is the huge, crazy Shige full body. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really beautiful. He's a really cool guy, huh? Super like hey, quiet. He's, a sweet, he's a sweet dude. He's yeah, he's a very sweet guy. I've met him a couple of times just briefly at tattoo conventions and God, that guy is amazing. <laughs> he's <laughs> a hardworking man. He's incredibly hardworking guy and he's always just putting it to the grind and man, he does, he works so fast too. There's very few people that I know that can work as fast as him with tattooing. He, so. um, from my understanding, he works in a context that very few tattooers work in um, where he 
has a set of parameters and he doesn't allow his clients to waver from those parameters. Yeah. Um, and he's unwilling to work with people that aren't willing to work in the parameters that he wants to, that allows him to do his best work. Yeah. What do you think of that? That's pretty, I think for me, I mean, I think it's a bold thing to do. I think yeah. it's uh if you have, uh, the tenacity to do that, I, I um, it's just setting yourself up to, to be exceptional. And it's, I think it's a harder thing to do than just saying it and doing it. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I appreciate that because if you're getting a tattoo by somebody that says, this is what I think is my best work yes. then you're not going to get shitty work, you know? I, yes. I feel like, and you probably know really well this as well as like, because you, you're an illustrator, you know, and you're a paid illustrator for hire and, having to switch styles and try things and be compromised by yeah. people's decisions. Like yes. it isn't your best work at all times, but totally, totally. I fucking love that. And I really think it's inspiring to hear that because his work, when I look at his work, I go, this is damn amazing. It's a beautiful yes. work. Like his whole body suits, when somebody can give them his whole body, their whole body, yes. it's, it's amazing. It's poetic, yes. you know? And, uh, I think by him saying that it makes complete sense to me that's what i'm really connecting with you know yeah and, and i think it's a cultural thing for sure him a bit where because of his culture he has that mindset a lot more so and i think people appreciate that idea of that culture that respects a certain tradition yeah absolutely they, ju they just don't want what they want and they want it now and they have the patience to go through the motions of making something amazing yeah, yeah. I think it's very Japanese. Like, uh, It's not American. No, it isn't, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a virtue that I really love and appreciate of the Japanese culture. And yeah. I think it's like the one's commitment, commitment to one's craft, you know. And one of my favorite documentaries, I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. You seen that? I've never seen it, no. I think you'd love it. It's on Netflix. It's really amazing. It's How do you spell the first word? J-I-R-O. Jiro. Oh, okay. I can send you a link to it. It's I'm fantastic right though. It's this like sushi master in Japan and he's this little old guy and he's been doing it his whole life. And like he, they're booked out for like six months in advance and it's like $300 yeah. just to sit there and eat. And it, yeah. and the, but it's all about, you're getting basically the best thing that this guy has made over an extension of his lifetime. So you're yeah. not just getting like, you know, a basic thing to eat. You're getting an experience from a master, the yeah. commitment, the level of commitment and, for me, it's just fascinating. Um, yeah, I just, I love that stuff. It's, I think it's a really rare thing, um, especially in the generation now where everybody seems to feel like they're entitled and thinks that they're awesome. Yes. When they're Absolutely. not, it's bullshit. <laughs> I have opinions. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. We deal with it a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, I think it's just part of what it is. And there's also, there's always, there's gems out there. And I think that's what makes people stand out, you know? So but um, yeah, I think you should check it out. It's really cool. It's an exceptional thing. But cool. I relate that back to really great tattoo or tattoo artists and artists in general. Though is the is the commitment to the craft. You know. Yes. Yes. In your eyes, what makes a master artist? Oh man, I think it's a big a, question. A ma Sorry, master artist, somebody who's dedicated their life to that thing. Yeah. Uh, whatever it has, is. Yeah, whatever it is, and they've and they've acquired the. A strong foundation they've acquired um, um, advice and um, learning from 
people that are exceptional in that field. I think they've interacted and become friends with people in that, that field. I think uh, they've learned from the best in the world. Um, I think and then practicing that and bringing something new to the table and bringing new ideas to the table and bringing the, your experience of life into that thing and making it yours is making somebody a master. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think I think a master as well is, is, is somebody that does something incredibly difficult with ease. Yeah, yeah, and you can't get there. It takes... Lifetime. It takes 20 plus years and yes, your life. Yes. <laughs> you, have you heard about the 10, you from, you've heard of the 10,000 hours that rule? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You believe that's in that? Good, that's a good rule. Sure. I think so. I mean, it's shit, arbitrary, it, but it is true. <laughs> but it, I think it's pretty odd, pretty direct. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, one of those things. It's like, if you keep running in that direction, like you're going to get there. It's like, yeah, pretty much, you know, like you'll eventually figure it out. Well, you could also be doing the same exact thing. You know, I, I think true. this is a dilemma that I, I, I mean, I don't care, but you see in um, illustrators and a lot of fine artists, quote, fine artists, people who show in galleries, they come up with a style of work and they don't waver much from the idea or the image because they're comfortable in that thing. And by them stepping outside of that and progressing much, I think they fear change in maybe losing work or losing fans or losing buyers of their thing. Can't blame Um, them. It's a scary place to be. It is, but it's, uh, you can't progress if you're in that place and you can't master something as much as you could if you took chances. Yeah. So for you, it's, it's the pursuit then rather than the result that you think. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree too. And I think, uh, I guess it's a, it's a certain type of personality that is willing to put up with that risk. Because I know artists too that I've known since high school, and they have they draw pretty much the same stuff, you know. And yeah. it's it's cool. It's easy to be comfortable. Why why wouldn't you want to be comfortable? Sure. I mean, shit. That's what we. That's how we go to sleep. You know. I don't want to go outside in the cold and like lay in the grass with the sprinklers on. You know, totally. <laughs> that's not <Totally>. comfortable. <laughs> But no, every, everybody deals with life in different ways. You know, I, sure. uh, I believe that we're, you're born and you're here and you're, you're, it, it's not necessarily your choice to be brought into this world, but you have to accept the fact that you're here and you, you, you choose what you do with that, you know, whether you want to waste it away or thrive within it or, you know, whatever that is. Yeah, Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that choice, sometimes I think about it a lot as being a parent too, is thinking about like the nature and the nurture side of things and, and seeing like what makes a great person. I'm listening to Steve Jobs, uh, I think it's his documentary or something like that, or autobiography, or, and it's pretty fascinating. It's interesting, um, just his childhood and stuff and where he comes from. And uh, it's not like, you know, you can't, when I was listening to it, I was like, how can you make a really successful person? And it's like, I don't think... You can. I think it's just a matter of just the chemicals that hit at the right amount of time and just yeah. being being there at the right place at the right time. Has yes. there been a time in your life where you felt, I'm right in the right time, the right place, this is fucking happening? I think every time I took a chance and moved to a place or did something outside of my comfort zone where I was like, you know what, I know that I either can't afford to do this or I'm afraid to do this. Yeah. Or 
it's just so outside of my comfort zone that I need to do this. At every point of those decisions in my life, I've inevitably been a better person because of it. Yeah, you've invested in yourself. I always always tell people if you're gonna if anybody's gonna take a risk on yourself, it should be you, and and uh, you should do it for yourself. (laughs) And I think the greater if you can take a risk and you get a good result or reward out of it if you really commit to it, you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting it's how true. that is. So it's, it's fucking ironic and kind of shitty, you know, <laughs> but I think, I think meeting people in life yeah. and seeing though the, those individuals who have done that, like really shows you that those things can be done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think it's, um, sometimes, especially with, the way the world is now, I, I consume a lot of documentaries and just mm-hmm. things of, of successful people. It sounds like you do similar things or you at least surround yourself with successful people. I've been fortunate to meet a lot of people and have conversations. And I, I think for me, I get more out of that because I can see that tangible thing mm. and it stays with me a lot longer than just seeing it um, uh, in pictures. Yeah. That's true. Like a good conversation or something. Yeah. And just, you know, getting that feedback from that energy of somebody who has uh, gone out and made those hard decisions and continues to do them at times when it's not the best necessarily maybe for their health. That sounds really similar to tattoo artists. So (laughs) like a lot of the tattoo artists I've met, have very interesting upbringings, backgrounds, and and situations that have led them to do what they're doing now, mm-hmm. which is doing tattoos. Which is, is that part of what possibly led you to being attracted to tattoo art in general? Um, you know, I don't. I, I started getting tattooed when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a few, you know, in my teenage, early twenties. Um, I was interested in the idea of having stuff on my body um and i like tattoos but i didn't really know tattoos um i just wanted to be a tattooed person and i think more so just to be i I think at the time maybe to be different i don't don't really know yeah um what do you mean by no tattoos uh well the stuff that i got were uh, i got like um my first tattoo was the black, cos- black costume Spider-Man pre-Venom. Oh, sick. That's pretty badass. <laughs> and then I got a tribal lizard. Oh, there you go. Everybody's and got a tribal I, lizard. And then I got a superhero that I drew, you know, when I was t- 19. Oh, yeah? Which was horrible. <laughs> um, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't looking at tattoos at, to get tattooed. I just wanted to put pictures on my body yeah and not until i met more tattooers later in life and to actually look at the art of tattooing did i understand what it was yeah it's a whole world it's a whole yes I, I grew up in a small town that didn't have any of that walking around you know i my the, the initial things i got were from a, a biker who didn't draw and i would trade him I would draw his tattoos for him in trade for tattoos. So oh, that's like, cool. <laughs> well, this isn't a job that I want to pursue because, I mean, this guy is, I want to draw superheroes, you know? Is that what you set out to do in the beginning? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wanted to be a comic artist, or I wanted to be an inker. Okay. Yeah, that was my dream. That's Mike Mignola was the same, and then he, oh, yeah. he failed at inking, so he decided to draw, and turns out he's awesome. <laughs> he's, he's fucking badass. He's so fucking good, man. I fucking, I love Mignola's style and his ability to simplify things and. He's incredibly graphic. He's, a po- he's got such a powerful way of conveying images. Damn that guy. I guess that's really what breaks down if you're doing it for 30 plus years or something. I think he's been doing it for. So, And so when you're... Because I had the same thing. I The thing that got me really into art um, was comics. You know, like I yeah. grew up... Um, I was born in 83... It was, you know, Star Wars is just going ape shit when I was a baby oh, yeah. and uh, yeah. Ninja Turtles is just, oh, yeah. is a free for all, you know, like it was epic. It was everything and comics were really big. And, and so that's what I wanted to do. Did you have a, when you were growing up, was it kind of a big thing for you? Is that like a connectional kind of? Yeah. You know, uh, I grew up in 1970 and I think the things that I responded to were all of that. Uh, um I liked music a lot, but I like in as a young age the music I liked was because of imagery. Like Kiss was my favorite band as a young child. They're smart you know? with their imagery. Yeah. yeah, and then Star Wars came out, and then just you know, as all that changed, you get introduced to. I was a Spider-Man guy. You know, he was always my guy. What What do you think of the new franchise? Do you watch them or pay attention to them? Like I've the film seen, adaptations. I've I've seen. The uh, movies here and there. I'm just so uh, disinterested in that content. Yeah. I I feel like I when I got past my mid twenties, early thirties, I just shifted into wanting to be a painter, and I totally abandoned fantastical imagery. <laughs> Maybe you'll come back to it someday, huh? I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah, that's. I, I guess that's care. good. You've just changed and grown past it. Yeah. Know, into yeah, something yeah. that, I guess it's all about what keeps you interested, you know? Um, because yeah. it has to be something powerful, right? Because we do stay up until the sun comes up and we do yes. miss out on the occasion of being a normal human being, quote unquote. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so it must be something amazing, you know. I love I love what I do. I mean, I'm fortunate to be able to do it. Um, but it's I've all hard to... work, though, right? I mean, it breaks down to the choices that you've made throughout the years in order to establish yourself to be the person that you are to now today. Yes, and I'm around people who are the same, um, you know. And I I'm around people that are understanding of those needs. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's an incredibly important. I had a. It's, it took a little bit of a learning curve for my wife and I as we developed our relationship because she's not she doesn't do this stuff at all, and okay. so for her to understand that there's a whole different weird world. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, I mean, if you if you don't have that obsession, how would you understand it? No, it's really hard. So, and then also understanding how to communicate that because yeah, my friends and I have kind of an inside joke where we call it our work, our mistress, because sure, sure, it keeps you late. Sure. Keeps you up late at night and away from the family, and it's kind of yep. true, you know. So, <laughs> especially if you're really committed to it, but I guess it's within reason. Do you find that you have a decent work-life balance nowadays? That you're kind of it's gotten better. It's gotten better. I, I'm fortunate to work with my girlfriend. Um, she's been tattooing 22 years. Oh, that's great. Um, What's her name? Kim Say. Okay. S a i g h. S a i. 
Awesome. And did you guys meet just through shows and uh, we met through mutual friends? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And so that really helps. And it's because she's right there with you and you guys are able to work basically together and she could probably help yes. you with your tattoo and, and mm-hmm. your growth and stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. You got a teacher. And she, she, she understands that upset. She, uh, she has a, uh, five to six day, two hour a day, hardcore yoga practice that she also uh, kind of uh, is passionate about. And cool. So she she understands that need to have to do this thing that you can't not do. Yeah, the pool of that. Yeah, I've, people that I know that are really into yoga, they're really into yoga, and uh, yeah. it's cool, man. They're like super well balanced people because they're like, yes, <laughs> they, nothing bothers Keeps them. Keep your really. head straight. Mm-hmm. Helps you keep your head straight. It's breathing and it's physical help and it's just health and connection to your body, mind, oh. and soul. Oh. Yoga is awesome. I do jujitsu. That's like my vice, my physical oh. vice. It's like the best shit ever. Awesome. It's like really aggressive yoga. <laughs> right? <laughs> do you do anything? You can phys- hurt yourself. I ride, I ride bicycles. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm a grown up teenager. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm I, uh, 3014. There you go, baby. <laughs> Riding bikes is us epic, though. It's it's so free. Like nothing yeah. beats propelling yourself by your own power. That's right. That's right. Do you do like long rides or beast missions uh, or anything better? Like no, I mean I've done all different kinds of riding in my life. Um, mostly now it's a little bit of mountain biking, a little bit of BMX, and just riding a bike in the neighborhoods. Just having fun, being it. Yeah, just jumping again. off curbs and. You know, wheelies and shit, bunny hops, all that stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> How's how crazy? Feel, is it? I don't know. Feel like it's. I feel like uh, I feel free. I feel like um, I can just be and I can experience the thrill of being on a bicycle every time I get on a bike. Yeah, there's there's really nothing like it. I I didn't get my license till I was like eighteen or nineteen because I didn't give a shit about cars. <laughs> yeah, and because yeah. I bikes. sold my my vehicle a few months ago i've been carless for three months now. Oh, good on you man and you live in nice. like the, the city of cars right? too if you don't yeah. have a car in la you're like fucked <laughs> i can walk to work so that's good that's perfect then that's also smart because you don't waste time lucky. sitting and around doing nothing yeah yeah that's awesome yeah riding bike is great i love bmx it's so crazy now too when i look at it, what kids are doing now i'm like what the shit it's like uh it, <laughs> the like bunny well, hops and wheelies were like this shit when there, I grew up. <laughs> there's there's the individuals who who had taken chances with their bodies in the past, and yeah. there's facilities now that make it so you can do certain things without destroying your body and learn skills, and then go out and do it in the real world and hurt yourself a lot less because you have those skills. Pretty nuts, man. The commitment to these things is insane. It reminds me of like Tony Hawk Pro Skater PlayStation shit. Like right. kids are doing like 360 tail whips off of like three stair bunny hops or something. I'm like what the hell? <laughs> but hey, it's like anything, you know. Like it's that's what's fascinating about being a human and also acknowledging what other humans are doing. It's just like wow, that's pretty amazing what people cool. can do. And vice versa, I'm sure if they saw your painting, they go wow, like that's pretty amazing. Like your work is really strong. So, but you're like, well, instead of riding my bike, I was sitting indoors painting <laughs> that connection but yeah. yeah i think my issue with getting too wild on a bicycle is i need my hands for my job yeah it's kind of sketchy 
Well, do I don't want to break anything. Do you gotta wear wrist guards, man? Be <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, just get all padded up. Right. Then you could really be like a kid, <laughs> just a grown-up guy riding a, girl, a BMX. My girlfriend would like that. <laughs> yeah, it's sketchy though. You can really hurt yourself. LA has a lot of really cool, fun spots. I used to ride a lot through LA. Um, it's a huge city. You can ride all night, and you can't even get to the other side of it. Totally. You get stuck over there. Yeah. We've done some. We we've done some bike riding, bar hopping um, in the recent past, which is kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. And then just falling over. <laughs> no, I mean we're not getting wasted. You know? Just enjoying riding in the city. That's uh, at night. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it is actually. Uh, LA is a really weird city where, in the day, it totally sucks because everybody. I don't know what the hell. They're all in their cars, just going like five miles an hour. But at night, it seems like, especially in the center of the city, there's like nothing going on. If you take side streets too, it's it's not dangerous. Yeah, it's killer. I like it's it. Fun. Yeah, yeah. LA is a different city. Did you feel um, a bit of a culture shock coming from San Francisco? Because San Francisco is an awesome city. And then to LA. Uh, I had been. I visited here quite a bit. I had some close friends that were living here over the years. Um, I, I felt comfortable enough, uh, but it, it's not. It is not San Francisco. Um, it's a much easier place to live, um, but it doesn't have that feeling of being on an island. Yeah, yeah. Even that, though I feel like in our, our studio, I, I am on an island. There's something that <laughs> In the happens. middle of everything. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, because it's where you're, you put your surroundings. There seems yeah. to be something that in, is really interesting that happens culturally with humans uh, when you're on an island. It's weird. It's like a magical thing. Like, Japan has some really cool, interesting things. Like, I grew up in Hawaii, super okay. weird, cool energy. Um, yeah, and even, like, San Francisco's got, like, that whole Disneyland thing going on to it. Like, just wa- wacky, crazy town. I, I feel like it's an easy city to become a part of the city and, and, and for the city to embrace you as a part of it. Yeah, it's changing Where, a lot now. It's a di- yeah, it is a different place. It's balling. You got to be like super tech nerd Google guy to right. afford it. You have, you have to hate humanity. No, I'm yeah, kidding. It's a, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, I know. But it's there's there's a little bit of truth to that, though. It's like most most kind of, of our friends that live there or have lived there have been on their way out the door or close to. It's 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 really unfortunate to see, um, but it's that's that's the nature of progress, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll come back around and somebody else will find something else and, you know, something will come of a different city. And I've heard that there's some really cool things going on in Seattle and Austin. Yeah, Seattle's cool. I was just up there. Yeah, cool city. I love that place. Yeah, it's uh, it was cold, but uh, the people there are really, really sweet. Um, it's got a lot of culture. It's uh, it's similar to Portland, but yeah, it's Portland's a little more cool active. Too. Portland's really rad. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot happening in Seattle. Yeah. It's a cool city. I've just passed through there and it's briefly, but I liked it a lot. Just, just being out close to the ocean too is really awesome. Like, like I said, there's something to be said about humans connected to water or being surrounded by water or just that psychological switch that people have to take. I think it somehow does something interesting to the culture and 
Um, unless, you know, like if you're landlocked and you're, you haven't seen ocean and you're right in the middle of the country, this huge and massive country, you have a different mindset, I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think most people have a small, like a more of a small town mindset when you live in those places. Yeah. I imagine, but I don't know. I mean, I've moved around a lot, but did you, do you do a bit of traveling? Uh, I go somewhere about once a month. Oh, cool. Like out of, out of the country or just in the States? Everywhere. Killer. So you're, you're, you're an advocate for travel. Uh, it feeds, it feeds everything I do. There you go. Yeah. I say that all the time. I couldn't agree more. Where are some of your favorite places to travel to? I like everywhere. I like going everywhere. Yeah. Cool. Damn. I like going somewhere new. Okay. What's that for you? Where have you not been yet? Um, where do I want to go? Uh, Iceland? I've been, sure. Anywhere. It's wicked there. Yeah. Anywhere. I want to try, I got to try to get my girlfriend to go to more places, but she doesn't want to leave the cat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got to, got to bring the cat with you. Sneak right. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. T- traveling so essential. The last place I was at was Barcelona. It's so, so right, cool, that's man. Rad. It's Never beautiful there. there. Yeah. You should check that out. Have you been to Berlin? I have, yeah. Berlin, killer, uh, huh? there a couple times. A friend, uh, do you know Marco Jurovic? Yeah, yeah. His work is fantastic, yeah. He's got a studio out there. We've been out there. Uh, he did a workshop, um, uh, Made, I think was the name of it, with Massive Black. Well, it was with Massive Black T- family. Cool. Uh, but Six More Vodka put that Six on. Six More it's Vodka, that's incredible. it, yeah. yeah. He he works really hard, too, That's uh, from what I've heard. He puts out He's, a lot of work. He is a workhorse. He's a self-taught artist, too. Which is awesome. I love seeing that. I mean, I think it's great when people go to school, and I really admire people that can do it without that. Because school, I think, is an amazing experience, and it's really yes. great. But yes. I also think that um, a lot of times people pay to go to school because they lack the discipline. You know, yeah. and, and you, basically when you go to school, you're paying somebody to push you through a situation right. or whatever. But, I mean, either way, it doesn't matter if you can come out shining at the end and it doesn't matter but yeah he's rad yeah i think i think with marco he's one of those i think like we all have a certain kind of brain where you're either stronger on the mathematical side you're stronger on the intuitive side you're stronger on the creative side i think he's somebody who like really pays attention to life and he's a really good observer Mm. And I think his observational skills give him the ability to take uh, almost like a photograph. He's got like a photographic memory. Damn he him. Can, he can take that visual information of his life and um, bring it into his drawing. <sighs> it's like that Kim Jong G guy. Oh, he is a fucking animal. He is a that bastard. He's amazing. <laughs> that, that dude is, he is no joke. He's super nice guy. Too. He's so sweet. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, yeah, he's a machine. Yeah. He's like an image making machine. He's and like he's a, been, he's been drawing from observation most of his life. So yeah. He has that skill base set up and he has the, the, the tenacity to do it. You know? Yep. Torada is really great too. I, he's one of my favorites too. Katsuya Torada. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that is? I know his work. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. His sketchbooks are baller. They're so rad. He's got like thousand page Rakugo King, I think that thing. He's so crazy. I love books. You're into books? We have an incredible library. We love our books, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are some of the gems that you have in your collection? 
like art books, like image books? Or? Whatever books that really you can, like if you if there's a fire and you could grab your books, but you can uh, only I, grab I would just let him go and buy more. <laughs> shit. It's just a book, man. Yeah, baller shit. Uh, no, come on, give me the, <laughs> I'm trying to find a way of getting the best book I'm out not, of you. I'm not necessarily attached to uh, as a painter, I think my favorite book is uh, Robert Henri's The Art Spirit. Art Spirit. Um, it's a book from a painter who basically it's uh, just kind of documented uh, conversations with students. Um, and it's a lot of great information on being an artist and working from observation and seeing the world from the eyes of a painter. Hmm, uh, he cool. talks about color theory a lot. He talks about um, just observing life and um, being thoughtful. That's cool. I remember you recommending the artist handbook. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was that mayor. I bought that book and I never opened it. It's so big. Oh, shit. It's intimidating as well, shit. Well, I mean, yeah, it's Ralph <laughs> Mayer. Um, it's it's a good book for materials and and um it's just a great resource where yeah. you could kind of uh, with the Henri book you can jump into any page and be inspired the mayor book is more technical information yeah it's i did go through it just i didn't go like dig into it deep i was like oh man <laughs> this is intimidating <laughs> it's killer though it's definitely um, a great resource I love books, so I consider them time machines, too, because you're literally going into somebody else's experience, and if you're really paying it's, attention. It's nice to see a body of work over a period of time. It's nice to read about where that person came from, what that time and place was like, and their role, and how they interacted with the people at that time and place. Yeah. Um, seeing a picture doesn't always give you that story. Um Hearing the story and reading the story gives you uh, – there, there are certain artists whose imagery I might not appreciate as much as I appreciate their, their history. And sure. that history makes their artwork so much more interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of artists that are like that for me too um, because the, the person that they've chosen to be – I mean mainly is like Andy Warhol, for example. You know, like his work is cool. Um, but the, he's a fascinating person, you know? Sure, 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 sure. There's a lot of those guys where they're more or less personalities rather than... Well, somebody like a Picasso who, sure. if you see one or two of his images, you haven't seen his his body of work. And to see his progression from a very young age is pretty uh, monumental. Yeah, it's outstanding. I like I, For him, he's a perfect example of just going beyond yourself beyond the world absolutely. itself you know and absolutely and not being afraid of Take it. chances. yeah exactly and i think he took those risks and stuff there's this book i've been meaning to read it's called my adventures as an illustrator norman rockwell's book oh okay cool. have you read that one i have not yeah i hear it's really good yeah people talk cool. a lot about that one like as a good example of a famous artist and their memoirs i suppose which is okay. cool that's right. Thought you might dig that because he's he's an interesting character. He's he's got a. Um, I mean, he 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 was working at a time when an illustrator was a celebrity. Yeah, 
and uh, which is interesting about him and his work. Like most museums hadn't acknowledged it as art until several years ago. Yeah, when he was uh, a reflection of the culture. You know, he's a very important influential artist with, of the time. Yeah, it was just before we had like really, you know, iPhones everywhere and everybody was able to take pictures and right. yeah, he was able to capture um, social change and unjust systems and corruption totally. and, and, and have an opinion about it. Yeah, yeah. And having a, a, a great way of conveying propaganda, basically, you know, in its own right, which is great. Um, yeah, it's fascinating shit, man. Powerful, powerful artist. Just one of those kind of special creators in our American history, which is fantastic. But I really want to get through that one. That's an interesting one. And when we talk about, um, this is a world that I don't know too much about, but I'm really fascinated by it. And you must know a ton because you've created a a lot, many bodies of work is the uh, fine art world, um, galleries and all that kind of stuff. How's that work for you? I mean, how did you get into it? Um, I mean, it's, when I went to college, it, I was a commercial art and, and illustration major. And um, most academic universities, if you're interested in the figure or anything based in reality, even if you're not interested in commercial work, you're kind of thrown into an illustration program. Um, said you're you're also in that program in those programs of people that are interested in painting and artists um and uh i don't know going to museums and seeing works from the past and going to galleries and seeing works from the present uh you see the possibilities of being able to just make pictures and have a voice with some pictures and put them out in the world and hopefully make a living at it yeah Um, it's just doing that, you know. Uh, the act of doing it and making it happen. Yeah, and, and traveling to places to make it happen and presenting your work to the places where you want them to be seen. And uh, you can't force it into the face of certain individuals, but it's knowing your place and knowing, um, being respectful of that. And um, there is walking that line of, uh, taking a chance, but not being um, aggressive with it. Yeah, it's, so it's like a fine balance then. Yeah, yeah. I think I think honestly, creating a, a body of work that's sincere from a a, a a real personal place is the best way to start. And then once you've made those kinds of images over the course of years, and you've kind of found your voice then the world will reciprocate some appreciation if you put it out there yeah absolutely i think it's i think what you're saying and i agree too is like it's got to come from an honest source because art itself is a communicative language you know it's it's easy to come up with 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 a cool style or a look or a certain color palette or you know mimicking the the compositions and characters and you know the the look of your favorite artist but that is past that it's completely shallow and uh it's fucking boring (laughs) yeah where's the challenge again you know because 
like we talked about earlier in the conversation is it's about the challenge and the journey of that challenge that leads to that feeling of accomplishment, which is, seems a, to be what you're into. And I'm, I'm also interested in the stories of the individual. It's like, well, if you're telling the world that you're just a secondhand version of your favorite person, like, what does that say about you? Yeah, yeah. Frazetta had this great quote that I always use when any time that I feel like I'm being too influenced by an artist. And he said, why be a second-rate Frazetta when you can be a first-rate you? Totally. You know, it's, and we're, we're, it's undeniable that we're, you have to have influence. So. Oh, yeah. You, not, I, it doesn't come in a, in a vacuum, you know. Like, yeah. We're a culmination of everything that we love, you know. Absolutely. It's and just a matter of how you spend it. That. Yeah, it's, it's respecting the things you love enough to not exploit them or I don't know. I don't know. It's a challenge. It's a fine art. I think I think you have to be really in touch with who you are as a person in order to pull it off, you know. Whereas not to to offend somebody or not to overstep your bounds is to be copying somebody, you know. Sure. But no, I think there's that comes a, there's, from sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. There's a, that also that idea of like, you know, in art there's different um movements or or styles of working like a photorealist like if you're a photorealist it's pretty clear to the educated eye that that's what you're into yeah so how do you be unique in the context of photorealism when it's already been done so much sure so but it's it, not that hard really if you just sit there and think about it you know it's it's content yes exactly and it's the way that you want to present the content you know and and what voice you want to have you know totally like that's why i said i think it comes back to the person the inter in the interior of that person that's the person's soul like what am i trying to say I think yeah are you, are you are you are you willing to share that do you want to share that are you do you even know who you are yeah many people i think can go through life without even understanding who they are you know and that's fine it's just a matter of just discovery you know i think that comes from bleeding though and experience you know and understanding but that's just life experience and how you said you yeah, like to travel you know traveling is a, is, a, is a very uh it's a beautiful thing i, I related to I used to ride like fix your bikes and riding those bikes you're completely aware of everything you have to be yeah. And when you travel, it's the same thing. Like you have to be completely aware and alert, and that, therefore your eye and your mind's eye and everything, your memory is completely unactive. Just overdrive, picking up all the details and stuff. Right. And well, I think as an artist, it's easier to be that way. If you're traveling for the sake of vacation and you're going to, you know, like uh, Las Vegas to, you know what I mean, like to. To go to a, like a fake place within a fake place. <laughs> I don't like a Las Vegas. <laughs> I hate Las Vegas. Yeah, okay. it's a, it's a, <laughs> You're like it's you a, and me only people. I'm in the using world. it as an example of, of <laughs> sure. a place to travel where you're actually not going to really see anything or experience anything. <laughs> you will experience stuff. I just I don't know if you right. like it. <laughs> yeah, Las Vegas, man. That town is an interesting place. Yeah, we we don't need to talk about that place. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. You really don't like it. I thought I was no. literally thought I was the only. No, group. I mean it's a it's an armpit. I don't know. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a it was a really interesting place. Uh, yeah, I try to avoid it. My brother got married there. 
like at one of those like Elvis chapels or something. Oh, sweet. So I was like, you fucker, why are you pulling me here? Right. <laughs> but hey, you know, you can't say no. So. <laughs> right. Totally. totally. Yeah. But it's uh, at the same time, though, it's like uh, that experience. So like you were saying, I think it's uh, it's just it's just a really interesting experience, really, you know, and just in, in acknowledging that, you know, uh, just going through the motions of experiencing that and what you if take away from it. Totally. If you're somebody who's never traveled, like my mom hasn't, uh, as an example, I think she flew on a plane in her early 20s and then she was completely fearful of it up until she's in her 60s. Um, and she got on a plane again a few years ago and it's like just the experience of going through the motions of going to the airport and dealing with the stress of oh man, you know, security and all that, that's an experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and going good. through that oh, foreign experience that you're afraid of is it's a healthy thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh putting yourself in adverse situations really uh you get to see what you're made of, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, I, I'm it's 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 hard when you're doing it or you're putting yourself through it, but the result at the end, I always try to and when I'm in the middle of that really difficult moment, I always think, oh, this is, this is really going to pay off if I can just stick with it, you know? And it usually always does in some way or well, another. And if, if it's the worst trip ever, at least you know not to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Did you did your mom come and visit you? Yeah, she's been out a couple times. Killer. That's cool. Is she? She's, you guys are from New York, right? Uh, we are from a little town called Cortland, New York, which oh, is... Okay. In between Syracuse and Ithaca. Okay, cool. So that's like inland New York, right? It is like in the woods central. And stuff. Central, central. Central. Okay. Yeah. There's. Uh, there's yeah, twenty thousand people in that town. Okay, that's pretty small. <laughs> they're cool. they're uh, their most well known former resident is the the uh, Ronnie James Dio. Who's that? Uh, uh, Ronnie James Dio is a singer. It was a singer. He passed away a few years ago. Mm. Uh, he was in Black Sabbath post uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and then he did it. I mean, he was in Rainbow and some other bands before that. Um, but he was a really successful heavy metal singer who's loved by anyone who's in, influenced or in, interested in that music. Oh, he shame is. On me. He is a god. Oh, shame on me! Yeah, because I mean, I listen to the older metal, but it's not—it's not my direct like. You need to know use. about Dio, man. I suck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just part of the new generation. How I dare know. I? You can, you can hashtag Dio on there. <laughs> oh, hashtag! Oh God, <laughs> you don't just ah. <laughs> no, um, no, it's that's I don't know. It's cool. Like New York is an interesting place. It's a cool that that I think I've been to the center of it maybe once it's really cool where, super, where did you go there? super woodsy i used to live in um boston and i think i went okay. up through new york um when we went up to move to vermont it was really cool okay. just i like the east coast like the east yeah. coast is cool yeah i like it there people got a different style there like a different attitude yeah um, i mean it's a working class place it is yeah yeah well i mean those towns those inner towns like i think yeah they definitely have a different vibe to them yeah. Cool people, though, and I'll, the 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 winters and stuff are pretty gnarly too. <laughs> they're they're used to that struggle and they're used to the experience of seasons, which we do not have here. No, yeah, it's really, uh, yeah, I can't, uh, I I wouldn't want to live anywhere other than San Diego, other than Hawaii. So, <laughs> not anymore. I don't like the 
shoveling and all that crap. You don't want to, you don't want to live in Florida? Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't like Florida that much. I haven't really experienced it though. So not missing anything. <laughs> yeah, that's where you used to teach, right? Uh, I went to college there for a couple of years, and then I taught there for a few years. How was that? The college experience for you? Um, it was amazing, and it was uh, eye-opening, and it was very um, what the hell's what's the right way to explain it? It was very disappointing. <laughs> Uh, it was very frustrating. Yeah. Um, knowing that this thing is pretty, uh, the foundation of what it stands for is it's pretty solid, but the potential of the, the people involved in the situations there is 20% of what it could be because yeah, people have their own agendas. Yeah, so you know, and people weren't as involved as you felt that they should have been. I think some some teachers are and some students are, but a lot aren't, and they're they're for whatever reasons, you know. Sure. And the administration equally, you know, and I think there's any any college system when you have hundreds of employees together collectively when they're supposed to be working for the same goal, they're not all working for the same goal. Yeah, that's that's a real common thing with schooling. I feel is is uh, not every teacher is meant to be a teacher, you know. And well, and I think people have different ideas on what they think someone's education should be. Yeah, what's your th- take on that? What do you think as coming from being a teacher? And do you still teach as well, or kind uh, of? I do, I do workshops here and there and podcasts. Um, <laughs> Drop no, the science. No. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I think it's it's by the individual. I think it's it's gauging, having a conversation with somebody enough and trying to learn some insight onto where they're coming from and trying to give them honest goals and tools to improve from where they were and to see where they want to be and help them on that path, whether it changes or not but not trying to infringe too much of your own personal ideals on who you think they should be. Like that's the, that's, that's tricky. the hard line. Yeah. yeah it's tricky to do that. We also want better for people who might not want better for themselves. So it's like, who's what's right. You know, especially with art too, because art is incredibly subjective. So, it is. And teaching is. art is a very, you know, like, okay, we're going to learn, you know, we're shortening today. It's like if, or, if you yeah. if you're paying a, a you know a, a couple to a few hundred thousand dollars for an education, you should learn the basics of that. If you're an art major, you should know how to draw something. You should have certain basic skills that aren't really that difficult if you really try. Yeah, I agree. But and most most people are disinterested in skill based skills i don't know people are lazy people are just <laughs> not everybody i'm sure you've encountered some really wicked students you know who've managed how do you on a ratio um uh, i'd say 30 percent don't give a fuck i'd say 70 percent try i'd say 20 percent are dead serious about what they're doing that's 120 percent 
Well, of the, of the, of the, of the larger percentage, <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. No, I'm 20% joking. Twenty of that of that percentage really is trying to do something. And about five percent of them make it. You think? Yeah, five to ten. Yeah, five to ten. They're they're out there actively pursuing their career and making a living off of it. Or something comparable to that. Yeah, it, th- it's a hard. It's by it, average. Yeah, that's about right. I think it's easier to be an artist than it is to be a musician working. <laughs> making a living nowadays yeah i think the music industry just got fucked pretty hard yeah i think it's easier to be an artist than to be a, uh, an actor yeah yeah i mean i don't know what it is like to be an actor but i can imagine but i think they're all i, I would assume there's though. a lot of competition yeah Maybe well you're in la la land though so yeah. it's like actor city over there everybody and their grandma's an right. actor everybody's hanging out not working <laughs> no joy it's like pick up a yeah, hobby that's why everybody's in a car <laughs> like maybe you'll see me in this fucking rented uh maserati <laughs> <laughs> that city's full of rented maseratis oh, yeah get out of here with that shit <laughs> yeah no i think that ratio is about right though i've noticed that from my graduating class and just people i know the people that really stuck with it and are still doing art enough to support a living um, it's like five percent, you know. Yeah, yeah. Very, where, where, where was your Where was your background? I just went to like a junior college, and okay. I went to a, a small college down here. Nothing big. I couldn't afford it. I was out. I moved out on my own. When I was about fifteen years old. So, okay, cool. put myself through college, and I was like, "Let's do it." <laughs> but I really I'll wanted to go this, art center, though. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's an incredible school. Yeah, I think it's changed a lot from what I've heard. Um, but oh, okay, I have you no know, clue. Yeah, the administration and stuff. It's become a money monster from what I understand. But I'm sure there's some amazing teachers there still. So I want to bad mouth that I haven't been there. I don't know. So Well, they have, they have a, a, a large pool of resource to tap into. Oh, epic. Yeah, it's huge. You, most likely, if you're going to go there and you're going to really push yourself, you're going you're gonna to end up having a job out of that place. You know, So the success rate, from what I've understood, is pretty high there if you have a brain and ambition. Yeah. When I looked at Art Center 15, 20 years ago, I think that their, I might be wrong, that their incoming class age was like 25 and older. Yeah, I think that's about right. Which yeah. I think makes it an easier place for students to be serious. Yeah, well, you don't know yourself really until you're 30, I think. You know, like you don't, I mean, 25 maybe if you're early maturing. But yeah, yeah. You really know what you want out of life. At least I did when I was about 28, 29. Yeah. And take shit seriously, you know. So yeah. when you're still That's living true. at home with mom and dad and stuff, it's like, you know, it's your, your understanding of the world is a little bit different, you know. It's a, it can be a sheltered life. Yeah, and that's that's fine. Some people really make it, make it, kill it at that, you know, and they can work. They can take. They don't take their parents for granted, and they know that they're on borrowed time, and they work through it. Everybody's different. You right. know? Well, I, I mean, I I lived with my parents off and on. I moved out at sixteen, and then I went back and went to like community college out of high school, and just wasted time doing a lot of drugs, traveled around, and came back had no money, and lived with my dad's in his basement here and there, and. It helped me, but it definitely hurt me yeah. because I wasn't helping myself. I was being fucking lazy. But the experience, though, I, I'm a big fan of Louis C.K.'s comedy, and I think Louis mm-hmm. C.K. is such a genius at comedy, but it would, he would never be as amazing as he is if he hadn't gone through 40 years of his life in order to come out with this 
crazy funny shit scenarios, you know? And I think perhaps those years that might have been looked at as possible wasting, and I look at some parts of my life as well as like, damn, that's wasted effort. Yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like you can look back at those when you're not working really hard and be like, fuck, I lost those years and I better work harder now, you know? Because that's how I look at it. I feel like I'm always constantly like, against the clock you know so it's probably right. a bad way <laughs> but i think it pushes me well the older you get the the more you see that clock ticking yeah yeah it, and it goes by fast too especially if you're right. busy right yeah you've you've mentioned also that you've had many different jobs like uh any of them that are memorable to you like construction uh, or really I shitty did, ones? <laughs> no, I mean, I did construction for a summer. Uh, my grandfather owned a construction company, and most of my uncles and cousins kind of did that style of work. And he was always, you know, he knew that I was interested in drawing and kind of pushed me out of that. Uh, I worked in a lot of pizza shops. Um, I worked in a factory for two and a half years. I think that was probably my most memorable memorable job. What, what did you guys make? Uh, it was an amenities factory. Uh, I worked the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift, hmm. which I think kind of dictated my sleep schedule now forever. That's how you are now? You're just a night guy? Uh, yeah, I wake up at 11 to 12, go to bed at 5, 6 a.m. Hmm, okay. Will the world sleep? 11, 12, 11 a.m., 12, yeah. I'm up all night. Yeah. Uh, but that factory, they made, they manufactured um, shampoo, bath powder, soap, uh, like hotel amenities, and like the little packets you get in magazines and shit like that of like perfume. Hmm. I worked in a, uh, I was a packer where I sat, stood at an assembly line and counted packets out, squeezed them, and looked for um indifferences and counted them and put them in a box and then i moved my way up to being a machine operator where i uh ran the little the machine that did all that and then i got fired from that job (laughs) because you didn't give a shit or what i didn't give a shit and i kept showing up to work late (laughs) for for the 11 p.m shift (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've been i've been fired from so many shit jobs like that too (laughs) Yeah, it's just like life telling you that you're not supposed to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you it go. It's cool, though, because I'll never, ever, uh, on the, uh, I'll do anything, but I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. I sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get caught up in the, uh, I get caught up in my own cloud of frustration, or not frustration, just like, not contentment, I don't know what the word is, but I think that I'm having, it's, it's, I have a hard way of life sometimes, even though I have a great life, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I have to remind myself, like, yeah, I used to, like, make sandwiches at Subway and shit, you know? Like, that sucked. You were a sandwich artist. <laughs> dude, you don't even believe it. I was making freaking <laughs> Michelangelo fucking meatball subs, dude. Sweet. Poetic shit right there. <laughs> yeah, I have lots of funny stories about Subway. So if I were you and if you're listening to this, don't eat Subway. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's bad crazy. stuff, man. It's bad. It all for has you. to do with that nasty ass mayonnaise. Yeah, mayonnaise. I also <laughs> found out that they like they make the bread out of the same stuff that they make yoga mats out of. So really, yeah, man. So oh. your your girl is 
like rolling around <laughs> doing yoga and subway sandwiches and stuff. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've heard. I mean, I got to do some research on that, but I just, I was like, oh, fucking gross. <laughs> it makes sense though. They get, they got to make sandwiches somehow. So we're out of bread. Get those yoga mats. <laughs> Throw that shit in the oven. <laughs> I know we're running out of time. We got about ten more minutes. Oh, okay, cool. I'm just gonna let you go. I know you're busy starting your night, but um, I have a couple big pivotal questions I want to make sure yes. I got out of the way. Yes. Where do you get your extreme hard work ethic from? Oh man, I, I think it was I was ingrained with it. I think I've had it at different points in my life, but not until I like really um, saw progress in it did it not become a reality um i think it's just it's part of my family's upbringing honestly yeah just um, work working class is getting shit done. yeah 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 and and Same. i've been real fortunate to 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 um meet and befriend people that are similar you know i have a um good friend in san francisco who um has literally done most kinds of art and he's dedicated every waking moment to the things that he's passionate about. And he continues to do like commercial work for work. But outside of that, he raises a family. He's like taught himself to make his own comics. Uh, he's an incredible painter killer. Um, and he just does it. That's fucking rad. Uh, do you know Cora, Justin Kaufman? Um, sounds familiar, MC. He owns the company Massa Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he is, he is an animal. He is. Because Massa Black's the thing that, that's how I think I got your, isn't that what you had your. Yeah, yeah, we did a DVD together. Killer. Um, How uh, how did you guys get connected? Uh, they're a San Francisco based company. Um, a couple of the original co-founders I actually went to college with. Um, and then a lot of us moved to San Francisco around the same time and, uh, it's time and place. They had, uh, gotten together online and started a community called conceptart.org years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and massive black grew out of that killer. Yeah. I remember hearing some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. That guy, uh, he's pretty prolific, huh? He's pretty active with all his work and stuff, huh? He is, he is, he is probably the most versatile artist I've ever met and, and one of the hardest. I, you know, I met somebody early on um, when I was just getting out of college and I was doing a bit of commercial illustration and I was moving to California and I met this person who, going back to some of the things we were talking about before, who's exceedingly passionate about what they do to the point of destroying their body and, um, <laughs> I know a lot of those people uh, for his art, you know, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. destroying his body for his art. And he, uh, we did some work together and he introduced me to a lot of different things, but seeing how he lives his lived his life at that time before that time. And since that time, he, he has not ever wavered from the idea that I need to do this thing. And I'm, consumed by it i love it so much that it drives me um and i uh it's 
I've, you know, you meet these people in your life and they have such an impact on you and you don't necessarily realize it. And, you know, when you see or hear their name or uh, whatever, and it just brings that stuff back up. It's fucking crazy. Uh, he's a BMX dude, Matt Hoffman. Oh, yeah, Matt Hoffman. Yeah, he's crazy. He is, I was going to mention him, actually. He is an incredible person. He is. I've heard that, too. So passionate about what he does. He's crazy passionate. He's a really interesting dude because um, I was really into BMX when I was growing up. And, yeah, he was like the god back then. He did that super crazy-ass jump off that half pipe and, like, yep. destroyed and he, and his still, whole body. He skydives sky now. Like, he's a crazy fucker, man. Quite often. And, <laughs> I mean, he's... He just he just does, and yeah. he he dreams it, and he believes it, and he makes it happen. And he's he's a creative individual who's he also has people around him that allow him to be himself, and I, I think that's important. Yeah, definitely having that surrounding really helps. Yeah, he's been around for a while too. That's killer. Yeah, yeah he's a unique guy. There's very uh, I think Ken Block is is kind of I, I mean, don't know I guess, who that is. He's the guy that um I think he started DC Shoes, but he also does oh, okay. all those Jim Connor like um, crazy ass rally racing videos of cars and stuff. But oh, okay. he cool. he's like a rally car race driver, but he he also like he just kicks ass and has fun and just fucking yeah. lives like a he lives like a life of like a PlayStation character or something. Like he just fucking races around. Like the last one they just released it, they shut down like big part of LA and he was just doing donuts in like a eight hundred or nine hundred horsepower all wheel drive Mustang. Like the okay. old school Mustang. It's fucking yeah. sick, dude. <laughs> awesome. And they also like he was jumping around in a car in like San Francisco the last one. It's like fucking tearing it up and doing donuts on the bridge and shit. It's like that's awesome. It is super awesome, you know? And I sit there, I'm watching this going like, how the fuck did they get permits to do this? I'm like, they, what the they, fuck? They wanted to do it and they made it happen. Yeah, and you got to respect that whether you like it or not. It's like, damn, they made it happen. And as long as they're not hurting anybody, which they totally. really aren't, they're just having fun, you totally. know, inspiring other people to go and chase their dreams, whatever it is. Cause, Absolutely. Yeah, like, like Hoffman, he's passionate about BMX, you know, like there you go and skydiving now apparently so yep. and then just join and enjoying his life and yeah and i think that yeah i think that uh that's a good really great thing to take away you know like just do what you really feel passionate about you know like whatever that is that's well, at really the end of the day factor. you can't you can't apologize for not appreciating and enjoying your life yeah it's true yeah because that's really what you have when you get older, you know. It's like, damn, at least I lived that life. At least I took those risks, you know. Absolutely. I think uh, learning from all these other successful people is they've all managed to take a, a, a risk on their own, you know. Uh, Absolutely. On, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's, he's silly and funny as he is. He's a successful fucking person. He's a powerful mind, yeah. and he's made a lot out of his life. And Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's people like that who have done that and who knows how they've gotten to that place. And then there's people who have done it with, a, uh, I think a sincerity that goes so beyond the ego, even sure. though it's based off the ego. Yeah. Um, there's a couple, um, musicians, uh, Steve Albini in Chicago and Ian McKay in uh, DC who live mm. their, their lives with a certain minor threat, right? Yeah, uh, Fugazi Minor Threat, yeah. uh, uh, where they're, they hold so true their personal ideals that they don't allow the outside world to 
change the integrity of their beliefs because they have such a strong will that they believe in what they're doing is right for them. And how dare you try to make me something that I'm not. Hmm, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to be unwavering. I think in the world that we live in, especially when we're bombarded by social media and, and a lot of us have jobs where I think if you're successful at something, you know, corporations and companies come in and they want to like, give you money because you're successful and maybe potentially try to change something that you believe in and who you are because they're going to give you a paycheck. And it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard line to try to ride, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's super challenging to really find that balance for yourself. I think as a person, you know, how to support a, a life and your family. Yeah. We, yeah, we all have to make a living. Sure. Yeah. I feel like everybody's wanting to please everybody or be like not being insulting to somebody, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I think that goes back to being a tattooer who's a, we're, as a commercial artist, like we're, we want to, we want our clients to be happy and we want to accommodate them. And, and sometimes we, uh, I feel like a lot of times I'm too nice where I allow the customer to maybe direct the thing where it comes to a point where I have no attachment to it and I just I'm less enthusiastic about the process you know it's sure. it's, hard. it's hard well that's the thing with Shige remember when we talked about him I think that's the key right there is he's like and that's the same with like Ian you know yeah it's yeah like, it's like yeah. fuck it this is my intent like I'm yeah. born I was born here to do this I know right. it right and this is what I'm gonna do I'm not right. gonna waver from it you gotta ri- remind yourself of this thing yeah, the core, the key, the key thing, you know, like, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that's really the key to living a successful creative life, I think, is to always remember that voice, whatever that voice is. I guess I, ca- I call it a voice because it seems like that's what it is, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's something inside you that tells you, like, this is what you're going to do today and this is why. Right. And yeah, it's challenging, though. It's challenging to find that and to follow that because... The rest of the world, if not, like we said, the percentage, you know, like 95, if not 98% of the world is just trying to please one another, you know? Totally, totally. 2% is like, fuck you. (laughs) Right, right. I I mean, it takes a lot of balls to say fuck you, you know? It really does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to be willing to uh, have people not like you, you know? I've heard a saying that I think is always really good whenever, whenever I encounter somebody that's being a dipshit or a hater, I always think that uh, when you're loved and hated at the same time, you're doing it right, you know. So right, right. You're getting you're getting the full swing of it all, you know. Right. No, that's. I mean, that that's a good that's a good uh, thing to try to be. Yeah, it's challenging. <laughs> do you find that you've encountered a bit of negative criticism or anything like that? And how do you deal with that shit? Uh, you know, I've I've gotten it here and there in the in the past. Um, and from friends and acquaintances or, or people that you think are friends and jealousy and and shit. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, when you step back from it and like really just step away from it and it's usually somebody else's insecurities and it's, I think the older I get, the less I give a shit. Sure. Like whatever. (laughs) So, uh, I am a my, I am a people pleaser, but I also 
I know where I'm coming from and know that my intentions are honest. Good. Well, then what the hell, you know, like, yeah. And they won't know that. And if, and a lot of times when people are hating on you, it's just because it's some, you're reflecting of something from them, you know, or they, they're seeing the potential of themselves that they're lacking that you're just doing, you know? Yeah. And they're just being a bitch. They're not doing it, you know? So yeah <laughs> that's is usually right. almost get your I, head out of your ass yeah go get go get <laughs> to work you know like go make it happen and that's really what it's about that's yeah. what i think it is um well one last thing i want to make sure i ask you is i don't want to take up any more of your time and dude i really appreciate it and um oh my pleasure yeah it's yeah this is good it's fun this I'm, is awesome. i mean it's making me think about some things like i'm like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i love yeah. I like psychoanalyzing everybody. <laughs> Seems to be like I, uh, I I recently started seeing a therapist. I don't I've I've graduated past it, but her her ability to really go inside of my own intentions and in my mind has really opened me aware up to when I'm having these interviews because these are just these these podcasts is just like a hobby. It's something that we do for mm-hmm. fun because we love it and it's a lot of fun. It's really cool to connect everybody and create kind of a, a voice and a lot of people listen to it and, and it encourages yeah. a lot of people. Um, I wish I had this resource when I was growing up because it would have helped me a lot, you know, getting to hear you talk about your past. But what she's showed me is a lot of ways of understanding how to get deeper within a concept and kind of find the core mean, I suppose, the mm. why, you know, the why of things, you know, because there's always and there's always a, you know, you distill things down to its core meaning. There's always something that's still there. There's a remnant, you know? Yeah. yeah. What is that thing? You know, why? Right. Right. Where do you think, where do you see yourself? I mean, you've got, you've established yourself now. You're doing, you're doing tattoos as well. You sound like you're a bit stretched between a lot of passions right now. Is that kind of where you're at? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been the case for a while. I'm, I'm, uh, it's been nice. I, I kind of like uh, my last solo show was 2012. Um, I've done a couple of group shows here and there. Um, I've ha- I've been kind of tackling back tax debt and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we never even talked about the business of things. That's yeah, super the, important. The, wo- the woes of a self-employed person. We should talk a little bit about that if you sure. don't mind. Sure. <laughs> Do you um, have time? I don't want. I feel bad. Yeah, I, I have. I have till 4 a.m. Okay, well, let's keep talking. <laughs> no, I want to take up all that time. Let's go with another thirty minutes if you're okay with that. Sure, 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 sure. I don't want to in, in beach though. Is that are you sure no, that's, that's okay? Cool. Okay. Uh, let, let me grab something to drink. Yeah, go um, ahead, go ahead. Um, so, me too. Um, I was talking about your. So you did a a solo show in 2012, and then you've done yeah, some other shows. Yeah, I, I've kind of like I have all these ideas for pictures I want make but i feel like i've kind of needed to deal with obligations of life that i haven't and those things are have been gradually been taken care of Mm. and because they're nearly behind me i feel like i have the mental capacity to really focus on these new ideas in the recent future so that that's where my head's at yes Carving out that time and mental space to make pictures that are, like, I feel like every time I do a body of work, I'm challenging myself 
whether it be a technical challenge or whatever it is, a, a, a challenge in content or composition or color theory or wh whatever it is. Um, but I'm not anywhere near where I would like to be in all of that, and I need to push that soon. Where do you where do you feel? Where's this thing taking you? Like where internally? What's the voice saying that where you should go? Um. Or is it not clear yeah. yet? No, no, it's clear. The imagery is clear. It's like I don't. I've talked about it with friends here and there, and I've done some drawings and some a lot of writing, and uh, it really comes down to like you know I'm. Uh, I found this thing called the, this this thing that is tattoo, and I you know I've it's such a it's such a powerful thing you know yeah, for in so though. many different ways and and I think initially it started by you know you know documenting the, the in, certain individuals of the present that are working in in the medium and changing into kind of documenting the process of in the act of, of doing the thing and it needs to evolve into being more about the whole. So that's where my head's at is I want to embrace the whole and project from that. Hmm. It's powerful stuff. It's a lot of, it's, a lot of stuff a lot, there. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of imagery that's got a lot of figures and, space in them so it's just like i need the time to do it and i need the i just i just need to do it yeah it's a lot of uh a lot of energy <laughs> it's it's gonna break down to it's tons of energy yeah yeah it's just and it's just doing it and, and having the yeah 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 just to focus. Do you are you a list person? Do you make lists? I'm a crazy list person. Yeah, I got a list too. for everything. Me too. Or I fall a place like to to shit. There's this book that I refer to everybody. It's called Eat That Frog. You, I saw that on one of your. Uh, I read or I heard that on one of your podcasts. It's badass, man. It sounds pretty good. It's powerful. It's a game changer right there. It's worth it's worth checking out. I think so. I had I, you can get it on audiobook. Uh, okay. Because I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Because I'm sure I don't know if you have that same process or if you just listen to music. But I love consuming content like like film documentaries or whatever. And uh, but that book is is a ton of fun. I got a bunch of notes from there as well. I need to go back through there. I feel like I need to re up on all my like motivational okay. shit. <laughs> Every right. like six months or so, I kind of like fall away into weird weird hominid weird stuff so mm. refocus my chi and all that stuff but nice. that book has been a really good uh stepping stone i suppose it gives you give it gave me ammo you know okay i feel like for me like uh i came from a family which had a lot of love but we didn't have a we didn't have like business and yeah. structure you know like and and I need that to keep things going. And I think that book really has helped me out a lot. It's helped a lot of friends. Tons of people on the podcast have gotten it. And they write to me about how big of a deal it's changed for them, which is awesome. So just That's super cool. stoked. Yeah. You know how it is, like giving and sharing shit like this. So cool, man. It's like people grow around you. It just makes you sharper. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's how jiu-jitsu is. Like, you know, you train the guy, you push the guy below you harder. So he pushes you, you know. 
right. It's like mentoring, you know, like the tattooing and all that stuff, I imagine. It's all kind of similar. Absolutely. But yeah, lists are key. What other, like, what's your process? You mentioned writing a bit. Do you, Man, you get a I lot don't of ideas that out much. that fast? I, I, I see things in life and I get ideas and then I either draw a thumbnail of it or write a couple sentences about it and then I refer back to it and elaborate on it and let it sit there for a while and I either make a picture from it or whatever, you know. I, uh, I used to do it a lot more so. I, I, I'm at a point in my life where I want to do it more and bring it back. Yeah. I think, uh, like, for myself and a lot of friends, like when you're a student and a younger artist, you have a sketchbook that you draw in out of impulse and you just have this idea of, of – doing and doing and doing and responding and doing and not necessarily making a piece of art, but just, you know, seeing the world and doing that thing. And once you start making art and working and living a life, I think that sketchbook kind of weans away, but there's so many ideas in that book that they're you, you know, I look at it as an energy, you know, like for me, the sketchbook, I used to, I remember me treating him so sacred, you know, like oh, it's got to be perfect, and then and then I hated him. Totally, totally. I hated. Yeah, I'm gonna rip up this page because I hate it. Yeah. yeah, I've done that many times, but now I don't give a shit <laughs> because I think, and I don't know if you're in the same place, but I've I think I feel okay enough that I can pull off something decent, where yeah. I don't go like my sketchbook is my everything. Because when I, when I was in school, I was. I wanted to be the guy with the coolest sketchbook, you know, like that was the thing I wanted. And that was a stupid shallow thing, but that was the level I was at mentally. But, um, now I just treat it like it's just energy. Uh, I think it's probably, I don't know if you're doing the same thing, but it's just like getting the energy out, like very small ideas, very small sketches to get composition and that feel. And then reminding myself of that energy, you know, and sometimes I get it the night before or if I'm just sitting around and thinking about it before sleep or something, you know. Do you sit and visualize before you work? Like um, a friend of mine, Vitaly, he's really keen on visioning and putting forth the mental energy before sleep about his day the next day. Kind of so he works through the night through his dreams, I suppose, or puts forth no, that I intention you know i wish i should do that i i just typically i leave the studio and for an uh 30 minutes to two hours just kind of vegetate you know with the tv on as background noise and just kind of surf the internet looking at dumb shit <laughs> I lo- i'm looking at bicycles yeah <laughs> <laughs> just trying to like buy my time till i'm tired enough to go to sleep yeah yeah, I find that, uh, yeah, I wonder, um, do you ever find yourself, like, uh, are you into movies at all? Uh, I like them, but we don't see that many. No. Well, I mean, even, because there's not a ton of, I mean, there's a lot of new stuff that comes out. It's not out in the theaters necessarily, or it doesn't really hit everywhere. You're up in LA, I'm sure there's a lot more screens up there for oh, some yeah. Yeah, more abstract yeah. shit, but... Yeah. Um, I'm, I love films. I'm huge into films cause I just, they're kind of like it's part of your job, right? Yeah. It's part of my job. And it's also just kind of what I want to do as my core goal is eventually to direct film because it's okay. just, it combines all the art, you know, like you get right. everything, music and mo- right. moving imagery, you know, it's like, what more could you ask for? I guess video games, the interaction is 
beyond that. But yeah, I think that the challenge in filmmaking is just knowing that you work with a large conglomerate of people and it's mm. finding trust. that right time and place for people to trust you to, to explore that vision. Yeah. It's all trust and knowing how to communicate. That's all a director really is mm. doing. Really. I think a great director is very smart at understanding how to judge people's character mm. and also communication. But um, yeah, it's fascinating shit. But that's what I was asking if you're, like if you're just vegetating because usually i like to vegetate onto like weird movies and just kind of contemplated do documentaries and stuff like do you watch documentaries or anything like that uh I, you know i watch netflix a little bit there and there here and there yeah. um there's a not... shit ton on youtube though i'll send oh, you really? a link i'll send you a link to like it's this website reddit you know reddit yeah they have like this fucking crazy thread of like thousands of documentaries and okay there's like just links to youtube stuff but um okay fascinating stuff though like weird stuff that you would never think of that's just i don't know i think for me it like you know we talked about traveling i think that stuff really fuels my creative mind when i fill it full of just really weird shit <laughs> and hey. podcasts too I don't know. I'm really into that stuff too. Yeah, yeah, I you know I have been listening to some podcasts here there. Um, uh, a friend uh, Tony Sir and I and this other guy uh, Edward Minoff have a podcast called uh, Suggested Donation. Suggested podcast. Cool. What's it about? Uh, they're both uh, real. Uh, they're uh, contemporary realist. Um, figurative artists i don't i don't know if edward's a figurative artist um but they they work from observation with the mindset of of trying to tap into you know being in that place and trying to replicate that place uh from that experience um and they interview mostly artists who do the same huh interesting um, it's a if you're into representational drawing and painting, yeah, it's a lot of conversation about that. Huh, that's interesting. It's so crazy with the internet how much how everybody has a niche almost, you know. It's, oh, it is, and it, it is, and it, they're really passionate about what they believe in, and you know, cool. uh, feel really strongly about this really dedicated craft, you know, because yeah. there's not there's a lot of people that do it, but there isn't that many people that do it. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating shit, man. Like it's it's we're such interesting characters, man. Humans are so interesting and the reasons why we do things are just really fascinating. Yeah. It blows my mind. Every day right? I like I just get blown away by it. I'm like, wow, that's a really weird decision, you know? Like or why would that person do that? Right. It's fascinating shit. Cause your, your friend Jiro did it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. I'm going out to Tokyo in February. Hopefully, maybe I can go and like make a reservation. I should probably make a reservation now. That's you, rad. Do you know, you ever seen that documentary Marwin call? No. What's that called? Uh, M-A-R-W-E-N-C-O-L. Call? Uh, Marwin call. M-A-R-W-E-N-C-O-L. Yeah. Cool. You need to see that. Yeah, it is oh, incredible. Cool. It is, uh, it's one of those life changing things where you, you you see that passion for this thing, an mm. unwavering um, focus on doing this thing that this person can't not do. Yeah, 
This yeah, it's cool. This looks interesting. <laughs> this guy's like you got some toy dolls and shit. It's crazy. Yeah, you don't you don't even know. <laughs> oh, cool, man. I like that. I'm, I'm you know, big... and then, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. And then you have the other side of it, somebody like um oh shit, what's his name? Uh Henry Darger. Let's see. Henry Darger was an artist who the world did not know he was an artist until after he passed away. Uh, that's so often. <laughs> you know, I was going to say like. But nobody in his it. nobody in his personal life knew he was an artist. Oh, okay. So you kind of hit it. I think he was a uh, uh, janitor or something like that, and he had a, a a certain kind of mind where I don't know if he had ever ever seen like a a nude person in his life and he had a certain mindset where if you saw his work, you would think he's potentially a pedophile, but he was just a, a child at heart who mm. made these pictures out of the compulsion to make these pictures. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at him like, damn, this guy's a pedder ass dude. He's not. He was, not, <laughs> he was no. not at all. No, that's interesting. Was that if documented? You, it's like, they, uh, yeah, they yes, dug yes, further yes. in the basement. They yes. found all these kids bodies. <laughs> Yes. That was a bad joke. You gotta, uh, but it's interesting, and like the art world embraced what he did when they heard his story, and mm. and you know it's it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, this is interesting. He's got some like Japanese looking style, like interesting layouts and stuff. It's cool. It's fascinating stuff. Like um, I I noticed that there's. What do you think of the whole juxtapose thing? Are you are you still active with all the kind of the juxtapose dudes and stuff because that's um i don't i don't really think about it no it, it, it you know it's a fad kind I, of thing no no i can't uh, uh man that's a tough one <laughs> yeah it, it is i tough. lived in san francisco so i i know a lot about that publication sure and it was a thing that embraced outsider art and and kind of the fringe of the art world and it it changed into kind of focusing on Mark Ryden. No, no. <laughs> uh, it, it, it turned into a magazine, I think based on this hot new thing, graffiti and, and plastic sure. toys and the commodity of, of, um, I don't know, man. It's complicated. It changed, it changed a lot. Uh, I think it's coming back to being an art publication. Hmm. Um, so that's what it originally was. I mean, for those yeah. that, for those that yeah. are listening, we're talking about the magazine juxtaposed. So yeah. I, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, it was founded by um, uh, uh, Fausto Vitello. Uh, um, uh, Robert Williams was one of the founders, and it, it it was an underground art publication that embraced what the general, like the the avant garde you know, young kind of punk rock generation was doing. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool for me when I was in college, I was like, Oh, finally there's a magazine. That's cool. You know, when I was in college, there wasn't a ton of active stuff <laughs> on the internet regarding art that I could think of. So, yeah. you know, I'd go down to Barnes and Noble when there was Barnes and Noble yeah. and go pick up this publication. And it had your work in it. It had Mark Ryden, had all these like, had these artists and illustrators and painters and yes. draftsmen and women who 
who had amazing skill and talent, but a more contemporary vibe. And I yeah. found it fascinating because I love twisted weird shit. And I was like, oh, this, yeah, this yeah, it's cool. You know, like a little kid holding a big piece of meat. Like, well, this is weird. Totally. You know? like, totally. Is, uh, and wait, I think wait. it's like, it almost ate itself though. It's like the whole Banksy thing. It kind of consumed itself, you know, like, it, I, th- I think it happened when things, some things shifted, uh, when the magazine, one of the founders passed away mm. and there was a changing of the guard. And I think in that changing, people that had more power, the magazine, um, I mean, this is, this is just how things happened. Um, sure. uh, some Pretty galleries natural. in San Francisco that were active in that scene were in control of that magazine and kind of only showed artists who they show in their galleries. And it became kind of a an advertising tool for their galleries and it's is this a an editorial on the art world or is this just a you making money off the people that you're making money off of sure sure that's what i i was curious about that stuff too because i know with the fine art world and the gallery world and all that stuff it's highly political from what i've it's understood. all i mean it's all about that you know yeah. it's 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 it really becomes unfortunately about who you know and and who can make money off something and it's not necessarily about, about the art. art but I, I think it's changed like i you know i still look at it i still buy several issues a year i mean there's always great content in there sure of course it's cool to support that stuff too you know especially publication because we all know that publication is on its way out it's not as powerful yes. it's it is not yes. completely out but it never will be but it's very much a niche thing, you know, or as it used to be a right. a direct resource and stuff. But, um, right. Print's been dead since the 80s, right? Yeah. It's like, you know. You go to a magazine rack and you see thousands of publications, but um, who's buying them? Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I'm not buying them, you know. You I'm, see people thumbing through them, but you don't see them walking away with them. Yeah, I'll you know if there's something really great, or if I if I see like really great, well layout magazine or something, I'll buy it just because I want to support that company because there's somebody there who's doing it right who should continually get paid for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of rare. But I don't really go fishing for magazines anymore. I just kind of buy books off Amazon and <laughs> get them shipped to my yeah, house. There's something about thumbing through a magazine and like you know. Where do you go though? Like, there's no more bookstores. Oh, Los though. Angeles. There's a. I mean, there's magazines oh, right. racks on every corner. Oh, okay, yeah. Bookstores here are more limited. There's a place in uh, Santa Monica called Hennessy and Ingalls. Is that it? Oh, is it that French place? There's a really um, there's a legit French place, and there's also a really awesome Japanese bookstore. A couple of them in there. Uh, Kinokuniya. I yeah, mean, there's that place is badass. One in New York, one here, one in San Francisco that always has great art books. Super cool stuff. Really rare, yeah. weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Tennessee and Ingalls is it's incredible. They have a ton of out of print books. They always have the newest stuff that's that's out. They had a booth at Comic Con. I think. I think that's. Oh really? I think so. That's where I get all my Mobius shit, weird, weird, oh, okay. Optomo stuff. Yeah, you know, Last Gasp? Um, is that a store? Last Gasp is a book publisher. They're they're kind of like the underground book publisher from the late 60s to the present. And they're, you know, Robert Crumb and Robert Williams and um, all the old kind of like 
psychedelic movie poster artists and underground artists um, got their star and this company published their books uh, last month. They did like a Kickstarter because uh, they're feeling the weight of, of what's happening in print. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Kickstarter? Pretty interesting. Uh, I think it's an amazing tool for people to be able to, to make things happen when they're not going to happen any other way. Yeah. Would you consider it if you didn't have, an option? Um, I think I'm too stubborn. <laughs> you would find a way no matter what. Yeah. I, and I think I'm for, to do a Kickstarter. Like it seems like there's a lot of back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and like incentives and all that. And yeah. I, I can't write people back in emails. So for me to do a <laughs> Kickstarter, I would have to hire somebody that yeah. to, to facilitate that. It's a business operation for sure. I have it a couple of friends who have done it and have been very successful at it, but it's yeah. it's another full-time job. It's a job, that. yeah. Yeah. But it's also, that's the part of business, you know. Oh, yeah, this uh, Last Gasp uh, publisher, they have a couple books that I own that are really great. There's one called Steal Like an Artist and Show yeah. Your Work um, okay. by Austin. is a uh, really good. It's actually it's a really small little quick book. Um, I can send you a link to it, but you're probably already there, but steal like an artist is really interesting. I like these books because they're just thought provocative. Like, Mm. you know, that's one thing I was going to say too, is I'm sure once you established yourself, I I think I remember seeing a lot of people mimicking your work. How did you feel about that? Uh, you know, initially you see it and you're like, fuck these people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I know this person like, yeah, I know this person like would be so bummed to know that I hate that I hate them, but I, sure. you know, initially you, you publicly or personally make a statement or write them a letter and you're like, you know what? Uh, you're a fucking idiot. And, um, <laughs> there's a lot of them though. Cause you, yeah, but I think, I, you know, I think you I've hit it perfectly though. People and, and I was like, you know what? I'm giving you energy when you, yeah, you don't deserve that energy. Like nope. you're going to do what you're going to do. And if I acknowledge you in any context, that's giving you fuel to think that you have something when you have nothing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. And I think that's just taking the high road. It's, you know, it's hard when it happens often, but when you, the older you get, you're just like, you know what? You can't change it. It's going to happen. And nobody's going to be you too, you know, like nobody's going to be able to be who you are. I think that, I think when you came, when your work came about, it really blew up in a way where it became a phenomenon. I remember it being so strong. And I think for me, at least because I was really into tattoos and really Mm -hmm. into art and I was really fascinated by it. Then I saw all the copycats and it made a lot of sense to me because I think you found through your own passion and your own desire, you found a, you found a, a thing that was there that no, it was on the tip of everybody's tongue, but they didn't realize it. And you sure, nailed it, sure. you know, well, you know, there, there's the, the initial influences that I think that are undeniable that a lot of us, a lot of us at a certain point in time had. Yeah. Um, and I've done my best to kind of, be myself and not let those influences rear their heads so much. Yeah. You know, Jenny, Jenny Seville being the primary in the beginning of a lot of that stuff. Mm. 
Um, I'd seen a show of her work, I think in 99 or 2000 in person. Um, and it, the scale of it and the power of it and the, uh, just, just the whole thing of, of, of it paint, you know, um, it made me want to explode. Yeah. Her work is powerful, man. She's like one of those artists that puts the right paint color at the right spot mm. perfectly. And it, and it feels like a painting, but it feels real. It's like right yeah. between those two things. Yeah, she's incredible. Damn her. How about Kent Williams? How badass is he? Kent is a motherfucker. He's such a badass. Yeah, he he's, is. He Bastard. Is, <laughs> he's a sweet dude. He's an incredible draftsman. Yeah. He's, he has his vision. He does his thing. And he has not wavered from that thing. He's a prolific being, too. He's one of those artists who's kind of a force to be reckoned with because he's got all those, all those skills and then some and yes. an imagination and a, yes. a, a yes. flavor you know he's yes. one of those artists that pushes a button there's there's very few i think that can do that and he's definitely one of them he's yeah, yeah his work he just had a show i don't know if you checked it out i did i went and saw it last week it was killer it was incredible you know you know what's great about kent i know him um he's he is consistently doing what he does but he is you can see like that work evolve and you can see that he's not afraid to let let it do that. And it's uh, he's using so much paint in a way where it's about that more than about the image. And sure. that's really cool to see. It's really cool to see. Absolutely. He's an inspiring guy for sure. This is his work, you know. I've never got a chance to meet him, but he's, from what I've heard, he's a really cool dude. And just yeah, focuses on his craft and it shows, you know. I think everybody that really puts themselves takes their work seriously and puts them through the paces that they make that work. Yeah. Right. Art is an honest act, you know, and I think it's a form of communication. And uh, if you're honest and you're really direct about it, I think that it shines through, you know, no matter what you do, even if you're like, how you're talking about Henry Darger, that guy, you know, like he Mm -hmm. just, he had his intention of just creating these interesting illustrations, you know, and keeping them to himself. Totally. It's but ironic. He, he, he couldn't not do it. He, he, he just did it. He did yeah. it. He did it. He did it. He did it. You have the possession too? Are you possessed to work and do it? I'm possessed to make pictures. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I cannot not. I think right? if I don't, I get really pissy. <laughs> it's fun it's yeah fun. it is it's so much fun it is it's cool and frustrating at the same time too <laughs> you're probably more, past the frustration it's part, more though. fun than frustrating yeah well you i think you spent probably a lot more time in at building the foundation so your results are probably more consistent uh, yeah, I don't are you know. fighting that every day yeah I'm, I'm fighting this idea of being a draftsman and being an artist mm, there's a fine line right yeah, I mean, it's both, but it's like, I know that I can always improve it as a draftsman. Like, what what are the goals in this picture? Yeah, what are you trying to say? Like, what's your emotion, your ideas? Am I concept? trying to show myself that I'm not good enough at something, or is it just about this idea? Sure. That's a really interesting thing, because a lot of artists are either one side or the other. And if you're trying to f- balance both of those things, yeah, you can be conflicted a lot. Yeah. And that's all about your theme and your idea, I suppose. 
But I mean, also that influence. Like, if you if you uh, are interested in like working completely from observation and being a a, a hyper realist, or if you're somebody who's like a Robert Motherwell, like who I enjoy his work quite a bit, or like a Kandinsky, you know, um, like it's not the same stuff. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's all over the spectrum, but I guess it's whatever you're picking up from it, you know, and what people pick up from it. Do you have relations with people that buy your work? Do you keep in uh, touch? A little, a little bit, not, not so much. I have uh, uh, one collector specifically who's, you know, he's been collecting works from early 2000 and he's continued to be a, a supporter of what I do and what's interesting with with him is he uh I, I think probably to the present he hasn't but up until a couple of years ago he had never stepped foot in a gallery hmm. um and he That's buys cool. everything how did he come about your work um I I don't know if it was from initially the galleries that he bought them in or if it was from juxtapose or whatever hmm. um but uh couple of years ago he started getting tattooed uh which is really interesting you know it's like well i i want to come visit you and tattoo you man like <laughs> you're <laughs> you're fucking awesome like you've taken you've helped Support you've allowed you me stuff. you've allowed me to 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 be you to be me and yeah. i appreciate that that's a really interesting bond that you can create with somebody i i've never met this person in in real life, you know, just through emails and phone calls. Yeah, hmm. not even phone calls. Just wow, email. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's there's a disconnect, but there's a pre, there's an appreciation. Well, they, I think you posted it up on your. I can't remember where it was, but you had posted up a quote, and I'm not sure if it's from you, but when somebody buys a piece of your work, they're not just buying that piece, but they're buying the years it took for you to develop yourself in order to become that person who could create that piece. Totally. So that person is basically supporting you as a person, you know. They are. They you are. know, I and mean, that could be hippie trippy stuff, but at the but same we, but time, but we we need those people for us to grow. Oh yeah, well, and to feed yourself, so. Yes. <laughs> grow in the in the literal form, so. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fascinating. I I think to me, I always I'm really fascinated by the uh, the fine art world. I uh, just. It seems like a really weird, crazy world full of politics yeah. and just madness. Yeah. And it's like, oh, look what so and so is doing. Like, he's in because I say he's in, or she's cool right. because I say right. she's cool. And it's like, right. it's like cool kid club stuff, and it's kind of annoying, but um, it's inescapable. I think so. It's just, it's just a part of that shit, you know. Like, and I think we talked a little bit about the irony of many amazing great artists they unfortunately have a shitty life they die and then they become famous you know right right it's but luckily for you you haven't had that experience you know so no i not you know i'm fortunate to have people who want to get commissioned paintings and you know i have a good life yeah support it and stuff that's killer yeah. man yeah it's good to hear and um yeah, dude. Well, this has been seriously an awesome conversation. And thank you. Yeah, I had fun with it. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank and you. next time I'm up in LA, I'll have to stop by the st shop and say hi and 
Maybe I'll you call should. you sometime and set up an appointment so you could permanently mark my body. Cool. You got to let me know what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think um, the one thing I've done with artists, tattoo artists, as I usually just say, what are you passionate about? You know, like I'd rather have somebody's work that they're really passionate about it, you know, because if it's going to be on my body forever, it better be something that's cool that they enjoy, you know? So <laughs> but, yeah, man, no, we definitely. appreciate that. I think so. I think that when you're, if you're listening out here and you're trying to get tattooed, you should be keep in mind that, you know, they're not just some machine, a copy machine, you know, like, and, and honestly, like if you are, uh, finding images, imagery off of Pinterest and Google image search and, seeing that as the end goal you're doing all of us a disservice by thinking that that's all there can be yeah it's true yeah push the boundaries a little bit yeah i mean there's custom tattooing and then there's just getting tattooed that does it for this week's episode thank you guys for listening in you can find links to sean's work and all the show, show notes for this episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 83 you can also find links to our facebook and twitter if you're interested in getting more information on as to who's coming up um, next on the podcast or want to get specific questions or suggestions for who we should have on uh communicate it through with us through that you can also give us a shout out on iTunes. Um, big thank you to Sean again. I'm a huge fan of his work. I have been for many years. And it's just really great to get to know him and get to find out how cool he is. Uh, big thanks to you guys as well. It's 2015. It's a big year. Let's make this happen. Lots of goals. Uh, manifest it. Go out there and make something epic, guys. Have a good one. Bye.